comfort it is that we, we can stand firm in that fact. We can have comfort completely and totally in every situation that we face. Knowing that you are faithful. Knowing that you will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, knowing that all of our sin, all of our sin, paid in full. Lord, we ask as we study your word tonight that you would reveal more of yourself to us. Our desire is to grow more in our knowledge of you, Lord, but uh, that it goes way past knowledge in our heads, Lord, but sinks deep into our hearts. Bless this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Goodbye. Let's see you. Grab your Bibles, please. And we are in the book of 1 Kings. We've made it as far as chapter 13. Looking at the, again, now the history of the children of Israel in the, under, under the kings. We've looked at the life of King David, then his son Solomon. Last time we looked as, as Solomon now has, at the end of his life, turned away from following the Lord uh, fully um, and uh, put up and raised a bunch of altars and a, a lot of idolatry that was introduced because of all of the wives that he had married and, and the influence from those other cultures that had been brought in. And the Lord, through, through a prophet, told Solomon that he is going to, to, to the, the kingdom will be divided. And he spoke with uh, a gentleman, then also Jeroboam, we were introduced to him last time, that the Lord gave the northern ten tribes to. And then Solomon's son, Rehoboam, uh, is the, the southern two tribes. We've seen now the division of, of Israel into the northern ten tribes, which going forward we will, will be referred to as Israel. And the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, will be referred to as Judah going forward. And the, the tribe now split. The children of Israel split into two camps. Again, Rehoboam, son of Solomon, the southern two camps. Jeroboam, the northern kingdom, the northern ten tribes. So try to we'll keep that straight as we move through. And as we now studied through these next several chapters, first and second kings, we're going to see both of the, the history of Israel and Judah running parallel together. And we jump back and forth, and at times it can be a little confusing, so we'll try to, I'll try to keep up with that as we're going. We pick up in chapter 13 now, Jeroboam. We left Jeroboam. Again, the Lord promised Jeroboam the same thing he promised David. If you'll follow me, if you'll do what I said, um, the, you'll be blessed. You'll continue to have blessing. I'll, there will always be a son of yours on the throne. But if you turn from me and you worship idols, the kingdom will be torn from your family as well. And we saw right away, he's, all right, sounds like a good deal. Within just a matter of months, perhaps, he turns from that because he's worried that as if the people have to go to Jerusalem in order to obey God, and that because that's the only place God said that you can have the temple sacrifices and that's, that system set up, you have to go there during the festivals that are laid out. He's worried that if the people go to Jerusalem, they're going to then want to follow Rehoboam. So he devises a plan in his own wisdom. I'll set up, I'll set up a, a separate places for them to worship. And he set one up in Bethel and one in Dan. And as we spoke last time, he made two golden calves, one to put in Bethel and one to put in Dan. 
Like, that would be a good idea. Like, that didn't work the first time around, right? God, God seemed to frown on that back in, back in Exodus. But Jer- Jeroboam thought that that would be a good idea. He changed one of the festivals. Remember, he moved it up a month. And, and a lot of those things and saying, okay, well, and then priests. Well, we don't have Levitical priests. They're all in Jerusalem. So I'll, I'll, anoint, I'll call out my own priests and, and, and anoint them. So on the surface, it looked like, well, we're trying to do things the way that it should be done, but breaking the word of God everywhere that he went. It, God was very clear. There's one place in order to do the sacrifices, one place, and that is in Jerusalem at the temple. There is, there, the, the, you are to make no molten or, or graven images. Absolutely forbidden. This, the, the, the festivals are laid out clearly by the Lord. And, and again, Jeroboam setting all of this up. And we, so we pick up there now in chapter 13. Now behold, there came a man of God from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, while Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense. So again, here we see the king is never supposed to do that. That's a priest's job. So he places himself as a role of priest. So there's another, another law of the Lord that he breaks. We're introduced to this man and we're simply going to know him as a man of God. We're going to see that referred to many times over. A prophet, one who receives a word directly from the Lord. And we, we'll, we'll know in full as we go through here the, the word that he gets. But the first thing that we see is that the Lord called him to go to Bethel from Judah. So he is, he is from, from the in Jer- Jerusalem area, Rehoboam, his king. Now he is called to go to Bethel and confront Jeroboam. Notice it says in verse 2, he cried against the altar by the word of the Lord. So we see that phrase used again, and we're going to see it a couple more times as we go through. The word of the Lord spoken directly to him. So he cries against the altar by the word of the Lord and says, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. Then he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be split apart, and the ashes which are on it shall be poured out. So quite a message this prophet has been given to relay to Jeroboam and the boldness that that must have taken to know that he's going into this situation and he's going to the king there and calling him out and calling out in front of all of the people that the Lord stands, stands against what is going on here and judgment is coming. Now no, notice the, spe- the specificity that he gives. He says, there shall be born to the house of David Josiah by name. And we see in 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 15 and 16, 325 years after this is stated, it comes true exactly as it says. Josiah is a king in Judah, and he stands up and he tears down the altars, but before he, and he, and he digs up the bones of, of the, these people, the, the, um, the priests and these different things, and he, and he burns them on the altar. It's laid out exactly 325 years later, but the Lord gives this prophecy through this man, and again, obedient to state it as, as the Lord put, placed it to, or gave it to him. Verse 4, Now when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, 
Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him. But his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. The altar also was split apart, and the ashes were poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. So again, imagine this scene now. Here's all of these people. They've gathered together here to, to, do this, the, the, to do this false worship of a golden calf. Jeroboam, probably dressed in priestly garments, again, proclaiming himself in this position, burning incense. This man comes and says, pro- proclaims judgment. He reaches out his hand and says, seize him. And as he does, his hand shrivels up and he can't pull his arm back. And as he does that, the altar splits in half and all the ashes and all the fire and everything pours out just like the man said it was going to happen. I mean, can you imagine what's going on through the whole crowd as they're watching that? And imagine the guys, the look on Jeroboam's face as he's looking and his arm is, you know, as it is. He changes his tune really quick. Look at verse 6. The king said to the man of God, please entreat the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored. And just right there, we see the, the heart of Jeroboam. First of all, the Lord your God. And instead of saying, would you entreat the Lord that he would heal my heart? That he would, you know, obviously I, I have sinned greatly against God. Would you entreat? Instead, he's, he's worried about his hand. Um, and you, you can't hardly blame him, I mean, after seeing what it is. But he's not concerned at all about, about the inside. But notice, too, what's next. It says, the man, so the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and it became as it was before. A couple of things with this. This this man of God is such a great example for us. And we see another picture of this type of of thing that I want to point out here back in Numbers chapter 12, when another great man of God, Moses, when his, his sister and brother came against him and questioned his authority and who are you to think and da 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 and the Lord steps in and it says that, that Miriam, his, his, his sister, became leprous and Aaron cries out to Moses, pray to, the, pray to the Lord for us that she would be healed and no doubt probably saying, and do it quick before something happens to me. But, you know, entreat the Lord and... And Moses immediately, it says, prayed to God that he would heal his sister. Now again, Aaron and his sister had come against him, questioning his authority, calling him out, all of this kind of stuff, and then the Lord intervenes. And the same here, Jeroboam's response, seize him. No doubt, probably that was the first, and then kill him was probably going to follow. The response, the godly response. I, I know my own heart sometimes, and it worries me because I can almost put myself in this man's shoe, and, and he's saying, entreat the Lord that he might restore my hand. I'd say, yeah, maybe. You know, how about we play a little game for a little while first, you know, or, you know, there's no vindictiveness in this. There's no... There's no revenge factor. Again, even with Moses, the same thing. Wouldn't say, you know, have you learned your lesson first? You know, or what? No, it's this brokenness. And that's, that's the sign of a, of a man of God and a woman of God. 
not worried about our own selves, not worried about defending ourselves, making sure that we come out on top of this whole thing, but seeing this and entreating for them, interceding for them. And I think another application for that for all of us, especially those of us that, you know, where we work and where we live, where the people that live around us that know that we're Christians, know that we pray, know that we're involved in a church body here that prays and maybe mocking us. Perhaps you work with people that will mock you from time to time or make fun of you as a Christian. But when tragedy strikes, they'll come to you. They'll come to you and ask you to pray. Or if you know that something's going on and you go to them and you say, can I pray for you? I don't, I, I haven't, I've, I've never run into the situation myself where that, that situation, I say, can I pray for you? And they say, no. And what a great opportunity for us to, to be that, that example, that ambassador for Christ. And again here, to entreat the Lord, to intercede for them. And he, and he does. And it says that his hand is restored. And again, what a what a fantastic witness and ex- experience. And all that saw this go on. Well, verse 7, Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For, verse 9, So it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall eat no bread, drink no water, nor return the way which you had come. So he went another way and did not return by the way in which he came to Bethel. So here we get a kind of an overall picture of what the Lord spoke to this man of God. He said, I want you to go from where you are in Judah up to Bethel. Tell the king of the judgment that is coming against the, 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 the house, his house. Tell the, the judgment that is to come against this type of worship. And then you don't eat anything, you don't drink anything, and you take a different route home. And we see the obedience of this man, and again, the the boldness of him in standing up for that. Verse 11 says, Now an old prophet was living in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the deeds which the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken to the king, these also they related to their father. Now, that gets me thinking a couple of things. First of all, in verse 11, if there's a prophet there, why didn't, why didn't God send him? Why didn't God just send that there's a prophet there? And I think it's kind of, it reveals a little bit to us because we, we see in there, his sons came and told him all the deeds. What are his sons doing at this, <laughs> this false idol worship and everything that's going on? And and so the Lord finds a heart in a prophet, a younger prophet. I think that's the point is here's an older prophet that's probably settled in and said, you know, and that he's not hearing from the Lord. We're going to see that he does, but he's not now. He's closed off. The, Lord, the Lord's not getting through to this guy. And obviously he's, his sons are, are involved in where, where they shouldn't be. Their father said to them, which... Which way did he go? You're telling me of this man. Which way did he go? Now his sons had seen the way which the man of God who came from Judah had gone. Then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. 
So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode away on it. So he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak, and he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said that I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go with you, nor will I eat bread, nor drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord, You shall eat no bread, nor drink water there. Do not return by going the way which you came. So again, Kind of lays it out here for us. The guy's pulled over at a rest stop on the way back, and the, the, the prophet, the old prophet, catches up to him, and he says, come with me. And again, he lays it out. This is what the word of God said. I'm supposed to go do this. I'm not supposed to eat. I'm not supposed to drink and return a different way. So we know he completely understands what the word of God says, but listen what happens next. Verse 18, he said to him, the old prophet saying to this other one, I also am a prophet like you, and an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with you to your house that you may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. The word of God was clear. Right? And that's the point I wanted to make. This, he didn't misunderstand the word of God. It was clear to him what was said. And th then this guy comes along and says, well, wait a second. I know that's what you heard, but an angel spoke to me, and he told me this. And he listened. And I can't help but, but think of a couple of passages with that. Paul writing to the church in, in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 1, I am amazed that you so, are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say it now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So many have taken the gospel, the clear gospel, and have distorted it to please man. We talk about this often. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, to, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And so many take that and say, well, but yeah, if we start talking about all of that, though, if we talk about sin, you know, people aren't going to want to come back. And so let's take, let's take sin out of the equation. And we don't want to talk about hell, you know, because, you know, it's an uncomfortable subject. So we'll take that out of the equation. And, and, you know, Jesus dying and all of that, you know, can't we just, you know, just it, let's, let's take all of that out. And let's just preach a social gospel. Hey, God's got a great plan for your life, you know. And you know what? The best part about it is, is you know, if you just have enough faith, it's going to be exactly the same plan you have for your life. And, and we'll just go along with that. And the bottom line is, even if an angel stood up here and told you that, you're to run the other direction. 
Because the word of God never changes. The word of God never changes. And we can get so caught up into the experience. The, the you know, again, here we're talking an angel. I, I, I got a feeling that that's, that's what triggered it for him. You mean an angel? An angel really talked to you? And that brings me to, and again, I, I happened to be this, this, use this verse last night when I was um, uh, talking with uh, a group that I was teaching with last night. There it is. Okay, Peter writing this. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made it known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is recounting the transfiguration. He's saying, I'm not telling you some fable or story. I was there. I saw Jesus transfigured into his glory right in front of me. And I'm alive to tell you about it. And we saw it and we heard a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, can you imagine anything more solid than that? Well, Peter goes on to say, Verse 19, following immediately on that, we have the prophetic word more sure. Peter is saying the word of God that we have is more sure than that, than that experience that we saw and we heard. Guys, don't ever let anyone tell you that there's more than what you hold in your hand. God has given us everything that we need in the spirit in us and the word that we have in our hands. And so many chase after other things and tell you, well, you, you gotta have this book in order to understand this one or you have to hear this in order to have this or an angel appeared to Joseph Smith and gave him all the, the rest of the revelation even if an angel. <laughs> but he lied to him. I, I don't know, perhaps, again, but he lied to him. Did, was, was that meaning that the prophet was lying? Or does that mean that the angel was lying? I don't know. Could be. Could, an angel could have appeared to him. Wasn't, wasn't an angel from God, though. But he lied to him. And here's, here's the key, guys. No, no angel, no messenger from the true and living almighty God will ever contradict the word of God. God will never contradict himself. But he went anyway. Even hearing directly from God not to, this guy said, an angel told me, so he went with him. Now it came about, as they were sitting down at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. Now God speaks to the prophet who went and got him and lied to him. 
And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the commandment of the Lord and have not observed the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you have returned and eaten bread and drunk water in the place which you which he said to you, eat no bread and drink no water, your body shall not come to the grave of your fathers. When I read that, it says, you have, not obeyed, you have disobeyed the command of the Lord. You have not observed the commandment which the Lord got. He observed the first part, right? I mean, he went. He was obedient in following, going there. He was obedient in the message that he was to deliver. He stood firm in that. He even started to go back the way he was going. I mean, I mean, he got it like 90%, right? But guys, partial obedience is disobedience. Again, Jesus said, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. It's not multiple choice. We don't get to pick and choose the things that, oh, well, I'm comfortable with this, and this one's a little rough, or I'm really struggling in this area, and so God will give me a pass on that. But, you know... No, we are to be holy as our, our God is holy. It came about, verse 23, after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled the donkey for him, for the prophet whom he had brought back. Now when he had gone, a lion met him on the way and killed him, and his body was thrown on the road with the donkey standing beside it. The lion was also standing beside the donkey. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown on the road and the lion standing beside the donkey. So they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. Quite a scene to walk by. Prophet laying in the road, dead. The donkey standing there, the lion standing there. Lion's not eating them. Prophet, and he's not eating the donkey. Standing there, people rush back into the city and tell them what's happening. Now when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said... It is the man of God who disobeyed the command of the Lord. Therefore the Lord has given him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. Then he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle the donkey for me, and they saddled it. He went and found his body thrown on the road, with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. The lion had not eaten the body, nor torn the donkey. So the prophet took up the body of the man of God, and laid it on the donkey, and brought it back. And he came to the city of the old prophet to mourn and to bury him. He laid his body in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. (laughs) Kind of late for that. After he had buried him, he spoke to his son, saying, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the thing shall surely come to pass, which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria. So he goes, he gets the body, he brings it back, he has it buried in his own, his own grave. I can only imagine what's going through his mind and through all of that, but here we see a story with a whole lot of application and implication, don't we? And you would think, after all of that that took place with Jeroboam, that he would, he, you know, he's repenting, and he's going he's gonna to follow the Lord going off. But look at verse 33. After this event, Jeroboam did not return from his evil way. 
But again, he made priests of the high places from among all the people. Any who would, he ordained to be priests of the high places. This event became sin in the house of Jeroboam, even to blot it out and destroy it from off the face of the earth. Even after, again, this warning, this event that takes place, he reaches out his hand and it shrivels up and he says, pray for me and it's restored. That didn't change his heart. And guys, outward circumstances alone don't change hearts. If we're, we, people harden their hearts often through, through situations and, and trials and difficulties in that. And here we just see another example of that. Something that you would sure think would cause somebody, but again, pride, um, worry. Again, he's worried about the, the kingdom being ripped from him. Instead of trusting God's promises, trusting in his own wisdom. Well, chapter 14, at that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, became sick. Jeroboam said to his wife, arise now and disguise yourself so that they will not know that you are the wife of Jeroboam and go to Shiloh. Behold, Ahijah the prophet is there who spoke concerning me that I would be king over this people. Ahijah is the one that went to him originally and told him that God had chosen him to take the 10 tribes. Remember, if you were with us, he, was, he tore the garment into 12 pieces and gave the 10 pieces to Jeroboam. That's the same prophet. So now, Jeroboam's son is sick, and he says, all right, here, here's the deal. Disguise yourself so that they don't know who you are, and go to this place, and, and you'll get the information that we're looking for. Take 10 loaves with you, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and go to him, and he will tell you what will happen to the boy. Disguise yourself so nobody knows and take some sweet stuff with you so that you can, you can really fool them and you can, get, you can get this whole thing covered up. Guys, if it, if, if it wasn't so sad and if it wasn't so like us, it would be comical, right? I mean, we, 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 put, on a, we put on a face sometimes when we go to church, you know, and, and, and we try to be something that we're not trying to fool, you know, and hey, we'll, we'll just pretend and, and everything else. You can't fool God ever. God, God knows our hearts. God, God knows what's really behind this. So Jer- and we'll see, it doesn't work. Jeroboam's wife did so. And arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. Now Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were dim because of age. Now the Lord said to Ahijah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam is coming to inquire of you concerning her son, for he is sick. You shall say thus and thus to her, and it will be when she arrives that she will pretend to be another woman. When Ahijah heard the sound of her feet coming to the doorway, he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam. (laughs) Why do you pretend to be another woman? And again, bottom line with that, guys, why do we ever pretend to be something that we're not? Is Is it to impress each other? Because bottom line... If we're impressed by somebody that we're, if somebody else is impressed by something that you're not, it's not going to last, right? We we can find we can find refreshment and and encouragement when we take off all of that stuff and we say, hey, you know what? I'm really hurting. I'm really going through a tough time. Would you pray for me? Quite honestly, most most. People, most godly people see right through it anyway, right? <laughs> you can tell when somebody's giving you, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. 
thought it was, I like this too. Look at the end of verse six. For I am sent to you with a harsh message. Ahijah, he said, I'm sent to you. She thought she was coming to him. But God has already teed this up with him beforehand. You're coming to me, you're coming to me physically. I'm coming to you with the message though. Go say to Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you leader over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, yet you have not been like my servant David who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart to do only that which is right in my sight. We, we've talked of this of David and we're gonna see this several times as we look at the other kings as we go forward. David, far from a sinless man, but he never tolerated idolatry. He, absolutely, there is one and only God. Only one God. And so that is, again, what the Lord is referring to here. That, he followed me with all of his heart. He never wavered from that. You also have done more evil than all who were before you and have gone and made yourself other gods, molten images, to provoke me to anger and have cast me behind your back. You've completely turned your back on me. You may have tried to convince everybody else that they're still worshiping me, but you have turned your back on me and taken these people away from me. And because of that, provoking the Lord to anger, therefore behold, I am bringing calamity on the house of Jeroboam and will cut off Jeroboam from Jeroboam, every male person, both bond and free in Israel, and I will make a clean sweep of the house of Jeroboam as one sweeps away dung until it is all gone. When you're sweeping away dung, you make sure it's all gone. Now that's the point. Anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city, the dogs will eat. And he who dies in the fields, the birds of heaven will eat. And the Lord has spoken it. Now you arise, go to your house. When your feet enter the city, your child will die. All Israel shall mourn for him and bury him. For he alone of Jeroboam's family will come to the grave because in him something good was found toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Something in this young man, there was some goodness that was seen there and the Lord said in that, he will be, he will be buried, a proper burial, but he's the only one of all of the sons of Jeroboam. The rest will be eaten by wild animals, their carcasses, Moreover, the Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel who will cut off the house of Jeroboam this day and from now on. For the Lord will strike Israel, and again, now he's speaking of the northern tribes when he's speaking here, now the, with this original judgment, as a reed is shaken in the water, and he will uproot Israel from this good land which he has given to their fathers, and will scatter them beyond the Euphrates River, because they have made their Asherim, provoking the Lord to anger. And again, that is fulfilled in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 6, when the northern ten tribes are taken off into captivity. He will give up Israel on account of the sins of Jeroboam, which he committed, and with which he has made Israel to sin. Then Jeroboam's wife arose and departed and came to Tizra. As she was entering the threshold of the house, the child died. All Israel buried him and mourned for him according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through his servant Ahijah the prophet. 
Now, the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, how he made war and how he reigned, behold, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. The time that Jeroboam reigned was 22 years. He slept with his fathers, and Nadab, his son, reigned in his place. So we see that his, his son dies just as was prophesied as soon as he steps, she stepped back into town. The rest of the acts of Jeroboam, we're going to read a little bit more about that as we continue a little bit more, um, probably next week. We're running out of time tonight, so we won't get to a lot more of that. But we see then he reigned for 22 years, he slept, and Nadab, his son, reigned in his place. Seriously? He named one of his sons Nadab? This, first, he makes two golden calves. Then he changes, he changes the law to say, okay, we're, I know you're supposed to go to Jerusalem, but we're going to worship in Bethel and in Dan. I'm going to make my own priests instead of the, from the, the tribe of Levi. We're going to anoint my own priests. I'll be a priest, even though a king's not supposed to be a priest. And then on, to top it all off, to put the cherry on top, I'm going to name one of my sons after, after one of, of uh, Aaron's sons who, who burnt f- the strange fire in front of the altar and God struck him dead in front of the altar. Nadab and Abihu, you can read about that in numbers yourself. But <laughs> this guy, it just, just, he's just not getting it. Anyway, now Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. Now again, we're, we're jumping back over here now to the southern two tribes. The city which the Lord had chosen from all the tribes of Israel, and he put his name there, and his mother's name was Naamah, the Ammonitus. Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy more than, all, more than all that their fathers had done with the sins which they had committed. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, remember, they came to him, and they said, hey, would you lighten the load a little bit? And this proud, cocky kid said, no, you thought my dad was tough. My little finger's stronger than his thigh, and I'll whip you with scorpions. Remember, that, that's this guy. And so now he's got the, the, the two southern tribes, and he saw, we, we talked about this, he was old enough and, and old enough to understand when the temple was dedicated and the glory of all of that and the Shekinah glory coming down. He saw all of that, and yet his heart set against the Lord and, and, and still turned away. For they also, verse 23, built themselves high places and sacred pillars and ashram on every high hill and beneath every luxuriant tree. There was also male cult prostitutes, homosexual prostitutes in the land. They did according to all of the abominations of the nations around them, which the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. Now it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came against Jerusalem. So, um, the, the Pharaoh, the king of, of Egypt, comes up against Jerusalem, and it says in verse 26, he took away all the treasures of the house of the Lord, the treasures of the king's house. He took everything, even taking the shields of gold which Solomon had made. Those 500 shields of gold took all of that. So King Rehoboam made shields of bronze in their place, a cheap replacement, committed them to the care of the commanders of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. When it happened, as often as the king entered the house of the Lord, that the guards would carry them and would bring them back to the guards' room. Verse 29, now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did, are they not recorded in the chronicles of the kings of Judah? 
There was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam continually. And Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And his mother's name was Naamah the Ammonitess. And Abijam, his son, became king in his place. We'll stop there and, and pick up in chapter 15 next week. But So we've seen now Rehoboam, Jeroboam, we're going to... We'll be jumping back and forth. There's a little bit more in Jeroboam's life that we'll, that we'll cover in this. But we see now both the northern and the southern tribes, all of Israel, there isn't a king. There's not, they're not following the Lord at this time. And we're going to see the northern tribes never have a king that follows the Lord. Never. Not one. The southern tribes, we're going to see that there's, there's, good, there's some good kings there's some bad kings. There's some kings that start good and end bad, some that start bad and end good. There's, you know, that, the southern tribes, and we'll st- continue our study through that. But uh, and we'll pick up, pick up in chapter 15 next week. Let's pray. Lord, we do, again, thank you for your word and the fact is you, you, you clearly tell us these things are recorded for our learning, for us to, to see. Lord, we see even your chosen people, what can happen if they don't follow you closely. And Lord, we want to be a people that follow you closely. We want to hear from you. And Lord, we want to obey all that you tell us to do. We want to shine in, in a way that brings you glory and honor in every way. Lord, let our prayer is that we are ambassadors for you, ones that you look on and say, well done. Lord, as we see areas where others have gone before us and, and have tripped up and have made wrong decisions, Lord, let us learn from their mistakes and, Lord, that we would follow you ever closer. We thank you and we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week. Try to stay cool. I know I still make mistakes, but you have new mercy for me every day. Your love never fails. Singer, you stay.